podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. It can feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to keep going. Everybody else is going. You know, we've all got the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce. <laughs> I definitely had that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we don't have her entourage. That's a fundamental difference, people. And we've been sold a lie when it, you can have it all. And actually, you can't. So you either this, you know, this perfect um, Pinterest perfect mum at home, or you're this high-flying businesswoman, or you try and straddle the two and you can't. And and I just think you can't have it all. Hustling is doing everything in my own strength, doing things my own well. But when I do it with God, it's just so easy. It's those rhythms of life. The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Right, today I am in a room with three fantastic, inspiring women, and I'm really like love to have to having this conversation with people that I don't know face to face. I haven't necessarily met face to face, but through Women Alive, we have the opportunity to to kind of connect. And today we have one sociologist, therapist, and coach, so multifaceted, one creative entrepreneur, and one social entrepreneur. Um, but all three of you are businesswomen, leaders and pioneers in the worlds of business and enterprise. So thank you all for being here. Bailey, Catherine and Josie, welcome. Today we're going to be asking the question and talking about uh, this idea about hustle culture and what God might think about hustle culture. Um, to start with, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of an icebreaker so our listeners can get to know you all. And I'm going to ask you all the same question. I'm going to start with you, Bailey, because you're the first person I can see on the left hand of my screen. What was the first job you ever had and what did you learn from it? The first job I ever had was working at McDonald's. And I learned to be better than the best, but also service with a smile. That was so succinct. I love that. Is that McDonald's policy? Was that your policy? Yeah, that you McDonald's policy. Is that service with a smile? So I feel like if I go into McDonald's and I don't get that service with a smile, I can then point out the fact that they are not doing what they signed up to do. Yeah, okay. yeah I would point out. <laughs> Catherine, uh, what was your first job and what did you learn from it? So my first job was as a waitress in a little English country pub. And I guess I learned that... I'm pretty good at connecting quickly with people and having a bit of banter and a bit yeah. of fun while I'm, while I'm working. I like to enjoy what I'm doing. But I also learned that you, not to be naive <laughs> because I used to get really good tips, but I was naive at that time. And I thought, okay, well, if I put them all into the pot, everybody else is doing the same and then I'll get a fair share. I got hosed. <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you, I got less at the end of the, the academic year than I would have made in one one day. It was... No. But so, you know, but it taught me, you were a little naive there, kiddo. 
you know, you're out in the big world now, so wise up. So that, <laughs> harsh lesson, but I learned it. Sounds like a really hard financial lesson to have learned. It was brutal at the time, you know. <laughs> All right, and and JC, what was your first job, and what did you learn from it? I'm still reeling from Catherine's misfortune. I believe <laughs> my heart bleeds for you. And so my first job was actually working in an old people's home. So it was yeah. a few doors down from where I lived, and I did it while I was doing my GCSE and A levels. And I think uh, what I learned was that anything, it's about people, whether it's people you're working for, or people you're working with, or people you're uh, accountable to um, and I just loved um, I'd take the, the old people out for a walk in the garden and it was just like you know it's just being nice actually gets a long way in business just being a nice person um, so that's what I learned in the old people's home I like that I feel like that's a, a nice kind of way to round up those three experiences but I also feel like I'm going to give mine just so you to compare how mine might have been a bit different from yours my first job was working at a bowling alley and I was a children's party host. <laughs> and I had to round up all the children that they, their parents had uh, effectively abandoned because they were so keen to just leave them in someone else's hands for a few hours and take them to McDonald's and get their orders individually and make sure they're all there and then make sure they're all fed and then get their faces painted by whoever was there to do it on the day and they're all happy. Nobody was crying, take them to the toilet. And what I realised in that job is that I never, ever want to look after a children's party ever in my life. And that's, I, I, I still don't, I don't have children right now. And if I ever do, I, I'm still never going to do that. That will be someone else's job and it won't be mine. <laughs> I've been that parent that's abandoned the child. I'm sorry to all party planners out there. <laughs> I mean, people love it. It's just not for me. Um, but thank you for sharing your experiences. Back to today's discussion, which is about hustle culture. So the topic we're discussing is based on an article that was uh, published at womenalive.co.uk and written by uh, Dr. Catherine McLeese. And it is called How to Unhustle and Look to Jesus to Learn to Say No. So just for people that haven't haven't seen it, um, Catherine, I'm going to ask you to give us a snippet about, of what you wrote. I will do that right now. Here we go. So, have you ever felt exhausted, burnt out, or overwhelmed? Maybe you feel it. Perhaps feel guilty that you're not getting as much done as others. But you try to ignore it and keep going. This is hustle culture. We live in a world where you will be applauded for working all hours and being super productive. I could never do what you do. You always get so much done. I'm exhausted just listening to your schedule. You're amazing. You work all those hours, make cakes and serve a church. And these statements aren't bad in themselves, but they reinforce and affirm busyness, which our culture sees as a strength. It's easy to feel like you should always be doing something useful and can that can guilt you into feeling you can't say no to, in inverted commas, serving, even when you're already struggling. Thanks, Catherine. Um, I don't know if you, the other two guests on, um, on the website today have experienced any of that. I definitely know that I have. 
and and just to kind of start off, Catherine, you did share a bit about what hustling is. It's kind of it's synonymous with the expression like burnout culture. I don't know if, uh, if you guys are familiar with that, and anyone listening might you know burnout is an ex- uh, a phrase I think we're quite familiar with. I would say, unfortunately, especially in the church, we have this. Um, I, I definitely hear about missionaries who get burnt out and have to take time off, or church leaders that get burnt out. And Catherine, you'd actually called yourself a former burnout queen. So you've been on a bit of a journey with that. Um, what has that looked like? So at one point you were doing the kind of all-encompassing, being involved in everything. And um, what does that look like and how does that, how does that journey take place? Okay, so let me, let me give folks a little pointer here. So if you are perfectionists, if you lack a sense of self-worth, if you find your value in your job or in achievements, you have a heady cocktail just getting stirred up ready for burnout. Because, you know, right there, you have several, like not everybody has the same components, obviously. But when you put those different uh, weaknesses, growing edges, whatever, together, and add a little sprinkle of social expectations, which I talk about in the article in relation to Mary and Martha, when you put those things together, it can feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to keep going. Everybody else is going. You know, we've all got the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce. <laughs> I definitely had that treadmill. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have her entourage. That's a fundamental <laughs> difference, people. You know, <laughs> so so there's there's all these outside and internal pressures that keep us going and going and going glorifying busyness glorifying doing lots more things and and doesn't have the same sort of uh cachet to rest to say no to stop and all of that and and unfortunately in the church we're not necessarily any better than outside in the rest of the world yeah exactly um and you did like you say in your article you did mention mary and martha um and one thing i love that you said in there Catherine, is you said Imagine the gossip if she, Martha, has sat at Jesus' feet and left him unfed. Like, don't miss that. The op- you know, what if she'd done the opposite of that? She, so either way, she still would have had that kind of backlash. Um, Bailey and Josie, you both started uh, startup businesses, I think, from scratch, which I've never done that. I have no desire to do that. But I, I, in fact, I feel like I will at some point in the future because I have lots of dreams and ideas for things. But how did how did you do that? What has that journey looked like? Because surely, if you're starting a business from scratch, you can't avoid burning out at some point. You can't avoid busyness, that's for sure. And I I think as as I I felt quite convicted, I think as I was reading your article, Catherine, because I was thinking, gosh, actually, I am very busy, and sometimes um, sometimes I'm too busy, but I've also seen that. It's not necessarily the busyness that's wrong. It's maybe your your heart in it. So it's the condition of your heart. Because I actually, I've learned that one of my strengths is I can do a lot. I have quite a big capacity. And actually, the more I do, the more I get done. And for me, like for my husband, sometimes when we were early on in our marriage, nearly married 20 years next year, he would say, I'll just sit down and rest. And, and actually, if I sat down and did nothing, that was the furthest thing for rest for me as possible. Mm-hmm. I would, I, just, I can't. And so 
I've had to learn what rest looks like for me. So for me, rest looks like a change, not doing nothing. And I've had to give myself permission that that's okay. But I also have to notice the signs in my body and in myself of what busyness for busyness sake is. So I've had to separate the issue of busyness from the doing and more about what is going on inside. Um, and actually, I, I did. I learned a few years ago the phrase, your no is as important as your yes. And, and you touch on this, not in so many words, but in, in the article. And actually what you say no to is so important because it means you can say yes to what God's called you to say yes to. And, and the good then doesn't get, get in the way of the best. Because, you know, everything we are doing is good. It's not that it's wrong always. It's just what's the best. So I've had to learn that. And, and ironically, this week is probably the busiest week of my year. I build websites and normally launch, launch two a year. I'm launching eight this week. And wow. and then I'm on the back of a, a massive festival I've just been involved in, and I'm going on holiday next week. And I'm so I'm in that, I've had to learn to rest in God, but I'm still doing a lot. I think I can relate to what Josie has said because I feel as if like as entrepreneurs, especially when you're starting up, you have to wear several hats and your capacity just increases and enlarges and you have to be able to yeah, juggle so many things. But And you are busy as an entrepreneur, you are busy. But I've also had to recognize, um, and that's why I love that scripture from Matthew 11, the rhythms of life. Um, so I have had, if I tell, like, I've already done 20,000 steps tonight. I've gone and completed 20,000 steps. But for me, that's a rhythm in my life. I go for a walk at seven o'clock in the morning and I go for a walk at seven o'clock at night. My way of spending time with God and unwinding with gratitude and also reflecting on my day. If I don't do those steps, I'll probably do, yeah, maybe 15,000 at this moment in time. I'm doing a challenge. So I'm aiming to 20 to 25,000 a day. But it's actually important to me as well as the work that I do. Um, and I think it's the big thing for me about hustling is that self-awareness of knowing your own capacity, knowing what you're able to do and knowing what you're able to do with God. And I think that's what I realized about hustling. Hustling is doing everything in my own strength, doing things my own well. But when I do it with God, it's just so easy. It's those rhythms of life. Interesting. I also find it interesting that all of you and in your business have somehow managed to fit in this podcast episode, this recording, <laughs> so easily. The producer said this is the easiest podcast episode to organise because you all just said yes straight away. And um, <laughs> yeah, timing, no issue of timing, no needed to reschedule. Um, you know, if you need something done, ask a busy person. Thank you for just for that. Um, and and there've been some interesting things that come up there just about. Um, actually if you are someone that can manage the different things um you know it's, business is, is relative i guess you know how busy you are and and being kind of i know because i'm quite passionate about a lot of things that if i'm busy doing things i'm passionate about it doesn't feel as hard or it doesn't feel as heavy on my time or energy as something that might that i might not be as invested in and finally you mentioned like walking twice a day as, I guess as part of your like healthy spiritual rhythm to kind of balance out yeah. the things that you're doing. Um, Catherine, do you have some, a practice that you have that is a daily one or a regular one that kind of helps you balance out that, that rhythm of being quite busy and then also rest? 
do you know what? It, it, to me, and, and I'm, I'm sort of bouncing off what both um, Josie and Bailey have said, um, that it's not about the busyness. You know, hustle is not, it's it's a heart condition, not a pacing condition, uh-huh. you know. And, and if you think about the rhythms of the year, you know, I always go back to nature. I'm a nature girl. And, you know, nature has seasons. It has fallow seasons and it has seasons where it's bursting forth and you've got the harvest coming and everything is all singing, all dancing, as it were. And and I, I truly believe that one of the flaws in our current culture is that it says you need to be consistent as opposed to rhythmic and that things do change and things, you know, interesting. We'll have, I mean, like Josie was talking about having young kiddos that even that room that Josie is in, I know you can't hear it or you can't see it on a podcast, but trust me, she's in a room. And <laughs> it's has changed, right. You know, it's, it's a different season now and, and we're the same. So for me, what God has been doing a lot for me, because I'm a natural, like, you know, it's it's a standing joke in uh, me and my husband that when he goes away with work, which he does periodically for extended extended uh, jaunts, and you know he's like, I never need to worry about you because I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to throw yourself into work. Like you'll have projects, you'll have things you do. Yeah, I do. I love my work, but the danger is that in loving what I do and in being fairly independent anyway, that I go stand by God. I've got this all under control. Mm. So. Right. So for me, the, the heart issue and God this year has, oh, my word, has he taken me the task on this of like, right, you thought I'd slowed you down before. You thought I'd created capacity and space before. Oh, darling girl, we're just getting warmed up. So I've gone in a lot more open water swimming than I have, you know, previously. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, sun's really grand, right? But, <laughs> but I live right by the beach. If I fell the right way out of my house, I would be in the water sort of thing. So, you know, it's not like I'm having to go out of my way. But, you know, that's been the discipline of going, right, Holy Spirit, you have your way with my day. Mm. I I love what you're saying about rhythm. And uh, uh, I think it was Bailey mentioned a uh, scripture earlier, which is in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. I'm going to read the message version, which says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, which I think is just a beautiful expression of, you know, exactly what you just said about the the rhythms um, and and how we do that. I also love the rhythm of kind of the season, the uh, weather kind of patterns and seasons and this this the call that we've been given to God to leave the land fallow. You know, it's not, we're not always harvesting the land. There is time for harvest, there's time for rest. And, and maybe, you know what you're saying, Catherine, we don't do that very well in the world because we we say there should be a consistency of doing or a consistency of what we like to call self-care, which are two almost extremes. The other day, so I work, I work with a, a programmer and every day at the same time, he, he walks his dog and I ring him and oh, I see this, this doggy guy. I wish I had a dog. I don't want a dog. <laughs> but I like the rhythm of it. And then I realized I don't want a dog, but I do walk my children. So I have some inflicted rhythms on me. Like the school working day, that is my working day, nine until three. Um, I do work evenings on weekends and, and, and I have to put in other times. But those natural rhythms I've had to kind of work with. And uh, the, the in... Um, 
well, the fluctuation of my children. You can't control them. You can't plan them. The one day they can be fine. The next day they're not. I, I've had to go and pick one up from school already today. And, and there's just constant changes. And it's, I think it's about not being so rigid in, in what is in front of you. So Catherine, you're saying about just inviting God into your day. I think the rhythm I've got into of just praying is, God, would you help me get done today what I need to get done? And then I just leave it. And then if I get to the end of the day and I haven't done something, it was on one of my many lists, well, I'd be able to go and I didn't need to get it done. Mm. And then often you find out, you know, it stays on that list maybe two more, three more days. And then the fourth day, the client didn't need it anyway. And you say, actually, I'm, I'm just going to have to hold everything with my hands open mm. so that it's not so rigid when the wind blows, I snap. When the wind blows, I just, oh, this is happening. Oh, that's happening. But I'm still rooted you know I still have my list I still plan sometimes I'm so busy I don't know what I'm doing in the next hour I have to physically write it out and go right I'm doing this this minute okay I can do that and so I think it's just being open to God working in and through you during that uh, and you we might bump into one person and it kind of ticks 10 things off your list mm-hmm. and you're like, oh. all of a sudden we're meeting it cancelled by another person yes it's like one of the best things that an adult if they have cancelled me. <laughs> like someone's giving you this gift of time. I'm like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> I feel so glad that that's how busy people are thinking because I feel guilty whenever I get a work email that says, oh, this has been cancelled, can we reschedule? I'm like, yes, we absolutely can reschedule. And um, I like what Josie said about not being too rigid. And um, last week I was in middle of work and one of my friends was messaging me she was at work but she was messaging me and we have something called a meal train so meal train we um, do if someone's had a baby or if someone's sick or had a bereavement oh, I love that. and and as she was messaging me on Wednesday I was like I forgot to deliver my food yesterday and she said no by you you're a Monday so did you not deliver any food and I said no I tried <laughs> to ring the new mummy she didn't pick up her phone rang her husband and he said do you know, yeah, I didn't know, like, we hadn't heard from you, so I just assumed that you weren't coming. And I was like, I have never missed, this is like the 20th meal train I've done, I've never missed the meal train. I was like, I'm good at meal trains. I was like, please let me deliver something to you tonight. And it took me off what I had planned for the day. Mm. Um, and I was leaving for the house, my son said to me, are you going to the shop? Can you get me some fish? And he's six. Sampire. Sampire is a vegetable that goes with fish. So I drove away to the butcher and I was thinking, Micah has thrown me off with his fish and sampire. I looked for sampire last week, couldn't find it. And I was thinking, time is picking. I need to make this curry and get it delivered. And as I was driving away from her, the Holy Spirit pumped me again and said, stop at that shop and say hi to your friend. So I double parked. And I thought, I'll quickly run in and say hi to Danielle. I ran in and she wasn't in. And I was stepping out. The woman said, I know you. She, I used to work with her years ago in Debenhams. Anyway, started talking to her. And that's when I heard the Holy Spirit say, now pray for her. She needs you to pray for her. So I asked if I could pray for her. And she just hugged me and said, please do. I prayed for her. And she said, I think God sent you to speak to me today. And I was like, do you know what? I think God did. He made me forget something to go a different direction. He made my son ask for something. And when I walked out that moment, I thought, 
gosh, God, I just needed to be obedient to your voice. And I went home, told my six-year-old son, I found your sapphire and God let me pray for someone. And he said to me, mommy, I think you needed to listen to God today. Well oh. done. Good job. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Here's like, yeah. But if I had been so caught up in yeah. my day and the schedule that I had, as you said, Catherine, just that closeness to God and to be able to listen to him in the small things and the mundane things like Sandfire. I love that. I love Sandfire. I also love that your six-year-old knows what it is and also has a distinct taste that he wants to ask for that specifically. So great parenting there, I would say, by Lee. Yeah. Um, just in terms of... Uh, you know kind of busyness and I I know I I feel like the mums I know definitely have a huge pressure and whether whether or not they're working or their partners are working that a lot of of pressure seems to fall on women or mums in the relationship to kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting and and that is in their home lives and also I see that in church as well and I don't know what if any of you have any thoughts on why that is in Colossians uh three verse 23 I think it is it says whatever you do work at it with all your hearts but I don't know if we've taken that to mean we do everything um and I interviewed someone recently for uh I think it was a July issue of Woman Live um someone called Monique Thomas has written a book called Pressure Off on this thing about um how much we as women those of you that are mums just feel this pressure to do everything carry everything and and this this idea came up, you know, are women too strong for their own good? So I wonder what you think about that scripture and whether that is what feeds us into the kind of busyness um, in the church and as women and, and as mums. I I talk about this a lot with my mum friends. I had a, a moment, I was at the dentist with all my children and the dentist just said, oh, I remember when we talked about that tooth. And I just thought that and went, Hold on, am I meant to remember what tooth? Every single tooth, <laughs> every single child's man. I barely get their names right. And to get them the whole time was like military precision. And now I'm meant to remember. So I sat them in the car afterwards. I said, right, children, remember what the dentist said to you. Your job to remember. <laughs> I remember. Because I'm literally juggling a million and one different things. You know, if it's a website browser, I've got a million tabs over. And it is a strength, but it is also a weakness. Um, but I do think in our culture, there is a particular mental load that is maybe attributed more to women. Um, and we've been sold a lie when it, you can have it all. And actually, you can't. So you're either this, you know, this perfect um, Pinterest, perfect mum at home, or you're this high-flying businesswoman, or you try and struggle the two and you can't. And, and I just think you can't have it all. And you have to just let, you know, be easy on yourself. And there are times when, you know, I've literally come off of the, the meal rotors now because I can barely get to cook my meals for my own fun, letting somebody out. <laughs> With the season, when I loved it and, and I loved receiving those meals, it was brilliant. But I've also realized I can't commit to that anymore. So there, there's different seasons, um, but there is a particular mental load. And so, you know, just the laundry or the cleaning because I, I'm tidy so I see the mess and I clear it my husband's messy he doesn't see it so he doesn't do it and, and so we we kind of have these discussions and so for me the way I've, I've navigated it in my my marriage is just I it's my responsibility to communicate my needs and that's not even necessarily saying you have to do this you have to do that but I have to be responsible for communicating and so part of 
not taking on this mental load is first of all realizing that there is an invisible load that women do take on whether mm. it's childcare, family care, home care, managing diaries, any of that. And I know it's different in every relationship and marriage, but acknowledging that you, just letting yourself go, you can't have it all. We're not meant to have it all. We're just meant to be the best versions of ourselves. And I think part of I'm 45 now, and part of Growing up in my 20s, I felt true of myself. My 30s, I found myself in my 40s. I've kind of, I know a bit more who I am, but mostly because I know what I'm not good at. And I'm like, just feel myself trying to do what I'm not good at. And I'm actually releasing myself to not be good at things and go, do you know what? I'm actually not good at that. I'm not going to try and kill myself trying to do it. I just actually, but what I am good at, I can really do really well and thrive in it. I mean, just I, I agree with you that, you know, well, there is a mental load and we're the emotional caretakers often in the family. That's that's where we're raised that, you know, women are supposed to be that. You're supposed to take care and sacrifice and give and give and give and to be the project manager in the home and all that nonsense. It's it's there whether we like it or not. I just feel in the church, we like if we believe in a God of signs, signs and wonders, if we believe it, like, you know, we can say all this stuff with our mouths, but, you know, we're, we're told in, uh, what, what are we at? Uh, Romans 12, you know, don't be conformed to the customs, customs and patterns of this world. And yet how often do we end up living exactly like everybody else? And I'm not criticizing you, by the way, I'm, I'm, you know, preaching to the, preaching to the church here, <laughs> you know, and myself, like if we really, really believe that he can do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine what business do we have settling for culture the way it is like we should be blowing people's minds because the 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 customs of the world don't begin to line up to what we have got in the lord i completely agree there's there's a thing about you know we're the light meant to be the light of the world meant to representing representing christ in the world and we are meant to be setting examples and not kind of following the the hustle culture um, that we often experience. Uh, we're coming up to um, the end of our time on this discussion, but I feel like we could go on and on because there is so much to say on the topic and we all experience things very differently. We start off talking about how actually our capacity for busyness as individuals is something to consider when thinking about hustle culture or hustling or, um, you know, are we too busy for our own good type or too strong for our own good? It, there is a, there is, it is relative. And I, I like that you've all kind of made this point about actually uh, listening to God throughout everything we're doing, because actually he's the one who's leading us, whether we are busy for a period or, you know, not so busy for a period. I, I personally find that very hard because I, once I get an idea in my head, I want to just run with it. But then, like you said, Bailey, sometimes God will seemingly derail you so that other things can happen. And that is all for his kingdom. That's because he has greater plans than we can imagine. It's not just about what we are doing in our little world. It is about much, much bigger picture. Um, any last thoughts for our listeners about, um, I think I'd like to get some business advice from you guys because you're all uh, self-starters, entrepreneurs. Um, Bailey, is there, is there kind of one thing you can help our listeners um, leave our listeners with just in, in terms of setting up in business and doing that in a really healthy way? Something that you might have learned from your own experience. Um, something that I would say is just surround yourself with a really good support network, whether it's your family, your friends, um, you get to know other entrepreneurs in that circle because they'll 
they'll hold you accountable to whatever you're doing. So um, when I have, well, when my husband see me thinking that I'm being busy, he will call me up about that. My friends will do the same. Or even when I did need to step away from my business, my one of my closest friends who's already got her own business said she would step into my business as acting CEO. Wow. I stepped away from it. And I just think I'm so blessed to have people in my life who can do that and step into my role for me. But also my team carried the ship when I took that time off and I came back to find my business. And I think that's really integral because God never wanted us to be alone. He wanted us to be in communion with him and with others. So that's my biggest recommendation. Get yourself a support network. Love that. Um, JC, please. I think what I've learned in business um, is there'll always be someone better than you. And you'll always be better than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And like that, humbling because you can always learn and you can always pass on. And I think if you continue to learn, you will grow. And the more you pass on, the more you realize how much you've grown. So you never arrive. There's always something else. Um, and even failure is a part of your success. So it's about reframing and not trying to avoid failures because often you, you have to fail before you can then first succeed. So it's a bit of a, a transforming of your mind. Um, and it's just, it's a journey and you just keep going and definitely helps if you're doing something you're just passionate about, because at the end of the day, that that's what you get up to do. Um, that's what gets you up in the morning. That's what gets you through any tough times. Um, so yeah, don't, you know, don't be subjected to comparison because mm-hmm. you'll always be better than someone else. And there's always someone better than you. And, Okay, leave comparison at the door and just do what I can see God's calling you to do. That's brilliant. Uh, Catherine, please. Yeah, I totally underscore what the other ladies have said. Um, I think the the only thing I would add to that is don't be afraid to be different because you are different and the vision and mission that God has put on your heart is unique, even if it's only a little bit unique, but you need to be chained into the Lord and you need to be prepared to ignore the dross out there because you're going to come across a lot of nonsense as well as a lot of really good stuff and you need to be able to discern the difference right so having the community around you setting your own stuff down or getting coaching to deal with your own stuff whether it's comparison perfections or whatever uh and you know just just listen to the lord like stay close you're gonna need that discernment Woman Alive with Tolly Doll Fisher. And we're now going to move on to the next spicy section of the podcast where we answer questions that readers have sent in about sex and relationships, topics that aren't, are, are often not covered in the church for whatever reason. But we want this to be a safe space and we want to create uh, an environment of people to feel free to ask questions that are kind of burning on their hearts and in this section of the podcast we will help them answer that question so today's question from a reader we haven't got the full story we've only got what i'm about to read out but if you can just consider what you would say to someone who might have this dilemma and the question is for the great expectations series my husband's best friend is a single heterosexual woman should i be concerned um, and that's from one of our readers for the Great Expectations series. So just to throw it out to you, three of you today, how would you answer that 
dilemma. If I could give an answer, like in, in both ways, um, I think it depends on the people and the person and the relationship. I'm, I've never been in that situation, um, either of myself having a, a male best friend or my husband having a female best friend. But I know in, in the article it talked about actually as a husband or a wife, I would want to be my husband's best friend. So if, if someone was more of a best friend than me, then that would be a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, I think hold on, if best, if best means the top friendship. Um, but if best just means a bestie, then then I think it maybe it depends. Um, and I do remember when I first got married, my husband, even if he drove another woman to work, he would call and say, Josie, <laughs> driving another woman in the car. And, and I, I, my response was like, I don't care. <laughs> equally maybe if he didn't say that maybe i would care so i you know yeah i really respected him and um and uh and i think that was quite good in the foundation of our marriage knowing where we both stood with men and, and women um so i think it has to be judged on its own merit and and the people involved um but i do think you know you reap what you sow the, the more time you spend somewhere there is going to be a harvest from that, and that can be good or bad. So my my word of warning, I guess, would be um, give time to the most important thing. Uh, and more time with a best friend than, than the wife, then it probably would be a bit of a, a red flag for the couple to work through. Yeah, well, um, I guess I've been the single female. Um, I have a male best friend, Um with the best friend for years and it always strained our relationship when he had a partner um but what i've recently learned and maybe because i'm married too now is um rather than always talking to him about stuff what i've done now is like so i'm going to um they stay in the Channel islands so i messaged his wife and said oh we're coming over and um, be great to see they've just had a baby great to see you and I thought, gosh, that's like, I would normally message him first and tell him I'm coming over, but to sh- give her respect, she's a, his wife, mother of his child, I'll message her first and then she can coordinate the family diary. So um, I do sympathize with the woman because I have been that threatened, but also for her, something I would say is just speak to your husband, speak to him. And as Joseph said, like, you should be his best friend. So it could even just be, that adjustment for him and prioritizing different people in his life. It's probably the same as men who always go to football games on a Saturday and that never changes even when they get married. Mm. And it's about prioritizing, not saying actually I'm a season ticket holder and must go to every game, but I'm a season ticket holder. I'll share my season ticket with someone else because I need to spend a Saturday with my wife every now and again. And like that, my my fear is being a golf widow, to be honest, but football comes close second. <laughs> go on, Catherine, go. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I've been in both positions. And like Joe said, I'm like, okay, cool. You got, you know, really close female friends. Cool, great. Like, you're able to communicate. Like, you have sisters for crying out loud. Why would that be an issue? You know what I mean? Like, I trust, I trust my husband. So, you know, but it is individual to each couple. And where you're at with, you know, with, with, with your relationship uh, as well, you know, and like for me, there's, there's a couple of things, 
you don't ever want to put yourselves as a team, you know, husband and wife as a team, you never want to put yourselves in the position where you give Satan room to play silly bags. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, the question, I'm curious where the question's coming from and whether it is actually from this wife or whether someone's whispering in the ear and going, do you you think that's acceptable? Interesting. You know, because sometimes it's not us. Sometimes it's that actually other people are uncomfortable and and you're fine. You know, if you if you quiet the noise, you go, actually, no, we're fine. It's cool. That's his bestie. They've been friends since Adam was a wee boy. You know, like, it's fine. I'm not excluded. They do like they go to the football together. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to the football. Thank you for taking that off my list of things to do. <laughs> right. You know, so it can be things like that, that is completely fine. Unless we want to go into the stereotypical stuff of going, you know, men are boys, boys will be boys. And, you know, not expecting men to actually man up and, and behave like grown-ups and not like animals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if we're also on the flip side going, oh, well, it's a woman, therefore she's a temptress. <laughs> you know, women can't be trusted. And this, these dynamics, whether we like to admit it or not, exist and they feed a lot of this nonsense now, it's not to say that people can't be ridiculous. It's not to say that people can't be tempted. I'm, you know, let's not be naive. But again, come on. Let's expect a little bit more. Let's respect women a bit more. Thank you very much. Let's also respect men a bit more to go, look, you're not just an animal. You make choices yeah. in it. Right? Yeah. And if so, for this woman, if it is her issue, you know, that she feels this is an issue, then, like, you know, like the ladies have said, that needs to be discussed because you are an equal partner in this marriage and your needs matter. And even if it's just for a season, you know, that need, you, you need to address it as a team. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.